Comic Timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Hey there, everybody. It's Ian Levenstein, and welcome to a Comic Timing Extra Point. Right as we start August here, I figured I wanted to get at least a little bit of content out to you guys before we get our next episode out, which will probably wind up being recorded uh, in a couple of days. Uh, I'm actually going to be at Otakon as of uh, Wednesday the 10th, and I will be there until uh, Sunday the 14th. So my recording time is a little bit limited, I hope record with Brent on the Tuesday before I leave, but if I don't, we'll wind up uh, getting an episode in the can, hopefully uh, soon thereafter, as it looks like I'm going to be seeing Suicide Squad in the theaters on Saturday, even if it's getting shit reviews. I figure I should go ahead and do that, and you know, what's better than snarking on a movie that might not be all I was hoping it would live up to be? Plus, also, we might wind up getting some uh, additional assistance on that episode from a certain Jamal Eigel if things work out the way that I hope they do. But I'm putting this extra point out just to catch you up on things. We do have two episodes already in the can that you should be getting soon. Uh, One being the Lost episode, which I haven't forgotten about, uh, which is actually extra relevant now since uh, The Killing Joke just came out. And this is about Under the Red Hood, which... I feel like was a much, much, much better interpretation of a comic series. But, uh, you know, you'll probably hear more about my my thoughts on Killing Joke on our next episode because Brent went and saw it too and has similar thoughts to me. Plus, our uh, American Comics for Manga Fans panel from Anime Next, we're doing the same panel at Otakon. So depending on how that one turns out... I might wind up only releasing one of them uh, as opposed to both of them. The Anime Next one was longer, so might choose to do that one. I'll I'll, I'll see. I'll I'll give them both a listen and see whether they're both worth putting out because I'm sure there's going to be some repeating content on one to the other. But if you have not heard me do the American Comics for Manga Fans panel in person, I'll be there with Chris on, uh, actually, we haven't gotten our, our time and date quite yet for the panel, but it'll be sometime during Otakon weekend, and Otakon starts on the 12th. So sometime either on the 12th, 13th, or 14th, I will be doing a panel. Fun times. My main reason for putting this episode out is a, a change in how I'm collecting officially at this point, which I, I knew was going to happen eventually, but it's my, my hand has sort of been forced. Uh, I haven't mentioned on the show, uh, but uh, I've been going through some life changes uh, the past couple of months. Chris and I have ended our relationship. Uh, you'll still hear her on the show occasionally because, I mean, we're still friends. I mean, it's not like, you know, that much has changed. But because of that, I'm, I'm actually uh, moving out at the end of August and I'm going to be uh, getting a, a space with uh, two of my uh, my longtime uh, friends who I probably mentioned on the show once or twice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that that's happening. And, you know, different situation B- because of that. I, I'm not going to have any of the same amount of room that I once had to collect comics. And uh, up till now, I was pretty much buying about half of Marvel's catalog uh, just so I could put it into my, my Comixology account and you know read it on the go. Plus, I'd still pick up, like, uh, I'm still collecting Chew uh, until it's over. And I've got some, uh, some other random image books that I've been buying in single issues and the occasional DC stuff because, you know, DC doesn't do the digital codes like Marvel does. But this is the first month, at least actually, I guess technically the second since we've rolled over to August now, but I did not put in an order for July at DCBS. 
And I, I, I thought about this for a while, and I figured now is as good a time as any to try going entirely digital. So the way I'm going to collect is as follows. I'm, I'm going to try and still go to the comic shop every now and then to pick up series that I really, really love. Like, for example, Ms. Marvel. I love supporting Ms. Marvel. You know, that's a book that uh, that is continually one of my favorites, and I, I, I still want to support G. Will Wilson in that book. So I might still go to, you know, JHU whenever I find out it's it's out and, and buy it off the rack if possible. And, you know, I'll get the digital code for that, and, you know, I'll still have that in my collection. Similarly, you know, maybe st- maybe stuff like uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, although I, I haven't even started reading it yet. Uh, like I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I, I'm enjoying collecting it because I, I enjoy that it's on the shelves but I haven't actually started reading it yet, and that's a problem. Vision, I, I caught up on, but in, the entire reason I was able to even catch up on Vision is because I put the codes in. I, I'm going to continue collecting that until issue 12, but I already see myself buying the collected edition of Vision just because that is a title that I know I'm going to wind up lending out to friends because it's just that damn good, and it'll be collected in 12 issues. So, I mean, there's almost no reason at all to just have the singles at that point. Like, I'm perfectly okay with having either a hardcover or a trade version of it on, on my shelf and looking at it, from, at it from time to time as opposed to digging through my collection and finding those 12 issues every single time. That's that's a pain in the ass. So I'll be, I'll be double dipping or if you even want to say triple dipping since I'll have the digitals also on that on Vision. But for the most part, when it comes to Marvel, I'm going to be doing Marvel Unlimited. I, I, I pay for it on a yearly basis, and I don't use it nearly as much as I should. And I've, I've noticed that. I go to my Comixology copy over my Marvel Unlimited copy, and I think it's because I still get the singles and then wind up with the codes. So I'm like, hey, yeah, why not? And I tell myself, oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait six months on, on this specific title. But then I don't wind up reading that title because I have all this other stuff that I haven't read yet. By stopping my DCBS buying habits, I feel like I'm going to be able to wait longer on titles and wind up using what I'm already paying for more than I already was, which is a good thing. And plus, I've, I've got Jason Aaron Thor to catch up on. I, I mean, I haven't even gotten up to Original Sin yet in the, in the Thor comics to find out how Jane Foster winds up taking over. I mean, I, I have a basic idea, but I'm, I'm way behind on that. And Marvel itself, while I'm still enjoying it, is not something I I lunge towards. It's not something like I need to read right away. And it's it's one of the changes in reading that I've been I've been noticing. I, I mean, since we only put out the show relatively once a month, although I think you're gonna be getting a decent amount of episodes in August, so get ready for that. But I don't have a burning desire to immediately flip through my comics. And I, I do other things too. Like I I go to the library and I and I get books. Like I'm I'm reading through Preacher right now. I, I just I'm halfway through book two of Preacher. Uh, like watching the AMC show got me to go ahead and read book one, which I enjoyed a lot and, you know, was able to actually listen to the Comic Geek Speak episode and know what the hell they're talking about, which was a nice added bonus. But I felt like I needed to actually 
understand why people were saying that the show is way different. And now that I've read book one, I completely understand that. It's it's similar to the way they did Powers, which, by the way, as I'm recording this, Powers just got canceled a day ago on PlayStation Network. I haven't actually watched season two of that yet, which in, in a way is volume one of Powers from what I've been hearing. But, you know, I guess Ben Edlin can't save everything. And, you know, he, they brought him on for the second season, but none of the people were watching and PlayStation Network jettisoned it. So there you go. I'll probably still watch it. In fact, I might even record an extra point if Austin has watched it as well, because, you know, he joined me for season one. So why the hell not? With Preacher, the TV series, I was being told that it's in many ways a prequel to that because of what happens in quite literally the first issue of Preacher, just like what happens the first issue of Powers. Like, again, it's not a spoiler to say the first volume of Powers is called Who Killed Retro Girl, and Retro Girl doesn't die until the end of season one. And I know that a big event happens at the end of this season of Preacher. I'm like two episodes from the finale at this point. But from what I'm hearing, the setup for that finale is very similar to what happens in the quite literally the first issue of Preacher, which I'm okay with a lot more than I was with Powers just because I'm seeing why they needed to have the setup. Uh, Because it's a lot more difficult in the realm of television to throw people into a story. And they're giving us more backstory on Tulip and Cassidy and the preacher himself, uh, Jesse, in this show than we got in uh, the the first couple of issues of Preacher. So I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, yeah, there have been some changes. There have been some characters showing up in different ways than they do in the book. But I fully expect that. And not everything can be Walking Dead. And even Walking Dead has changes. I mean, Walking Dead has killed off... They've, they've used the same scenarios that they've used in the comics, but they've killed people off at different times and, uh, you know, went about things differently than they did in the comics. So, you know, th- this stuff happens when, when you change from uh, one iteration of a story onto the next. So completely understand that. And, yeah, so I'm reading, I'm reading Preacher. Uh, I'm also reading a bunch of manga from, from the library. I'm, I'm reading Food Wars right now. I, I have a couple volumes of One Punch Man to get through that I that I bought both at cons and, and via DCBS in the past couple of months that I really need to get through. So um, I don't have a burning desire to immediately go to my piles. And I know for a fact, because it's 100% true, that I have comics stacked up that I still haven't gotten to. I'm, like I'm, Again, I'm not quite Murdonian. Uh, shout out to Adam Murdo there for w- my comic reading. Like, I'm not 10 years behind or anything like that, but I can easily see it getting that way if I continue to buy the way I do. And on a monthly basis, my, my DCBS order is somewhere in the realm of 60 to $70. It, it's cheaper than it once was. Like, I mean, at my at my peak, I was spending like, you know, 110 120 a month. On, on most of DC and most of Marvel and, you know, a couple of independents and a couple of trades. And I, I'm i not doing that anymore. I saw that, I mean, my DC buying entirely stopped, as you guys know. I mean, with Rebirth, I'm buying more stuff. But other than the first one or two issues of things, for the most part, I've been buying things digitally. Which actually comes to another point here. I'm, I'm pissed off that Comixology announced recently, and, and I see what DC's trying to do here, but DC announced that they're no longer going to be bringing the price down on their comics after a few months. Like, you know, once upon a time, 
a two ninety nine comic would become one ninety nine on Comicsology after I think like a two month time. So if you were willing to wait that long, you could spend a little bit less on your books. And now you got to wait for you know the big sales, which could be six months to a year after a comic comes out, which I could easily see myself doing on some books. But you know, two ninety nine when I want to read something is not so terrible. And the thing with digital, even more so, is I don't have a burning desire to buy it the day it comes out. You know, if I want to read an issue of Superman, I can I can do that. But if I say don't really feel like reading the detective comics right away i can wait two or three weeks and and then pick it up especially with a double shipping because there's there's no way in hell i'm going to keep up on double shipping that much i know i see what dc's doing i understand why they're doing it double the market share double the value of of their stock essentially Uh, and you know they want to make things look good for warner brothers especially since the movies are not doing anywhere near as well as they wanted them to be it's a very very interesting situation right now when it comes to comics, and I had to change the way I do it. So I don't really think this is going to wind up changing the show much, because I'm sure you guys have noticed that the format of the show has changed significantly since we started doing it. I mean, it was a topic show when we first started out, you know, 10 years ago, and now it's a lot more of a off-the-cuff, you know, what have you seen, what have you read type show, what news has been happening, and I'm totally cool with that. It might be a little less evergreen than it once was, but we still do the occasional topic show. I mean, you know, when CGS was on, that that's that's what we wound up doing. And I I easily see that continuing, at least, you know, every two or three shows. But for the most part, it's when you do a show once a month, you want to catch up with your buddies and and see what they've been up to. And that's that's what I love doing with Brent and Brandon and Raph and the rest of the rotating crew whoever they may be for that particular episode. So you'll still see more of that. It's just I'm not going to be reading Marvel stuff whenever, immediately after it comes out as much as I used to, which, again, has sort of been not happening <laughs> anywhere near as much uh, in, in, in recent memory. And, I mean, come on, if you if you go back to five years ago on this show, I was that staunch guy like, no, I, I mean, I love the feel of a comic. I mean, the smell of a comic. I, I can't ever stop doing that. But you try living in Brooklyn when your entire room is just a bunch of boxes. It's it's not going to happen. And I, if I ever come to a point in my life where I'm living in a house and I have myself a man cave – gotta hate that term a a me cave how about that if i ever get myself a me cave i may very well wind up going back and buying as many of these issues that i decided not to buy and filling up a room with them we'll see where that goes just right now in my life I'm, i'm past the age of 30 i cannot continue to live as a hoarder and i'm a comic book hoarder I mean, I mean, the first thing to admitting you have a problem is admitting you have the problem. And I have admitted it. Going to trade and going to digital is a much better way to do that. Uh, let's let's see how long I wind up even doing trades because, like I said, uh, with, with the Brooklyn Public Library and the New York Public Library, they, they tend to get stuff pretty quickly. Like I can read most of Grayson right off the, the bat because that, that winds up coming in uh, to BPL somewhat recently. And uh, I mean, I know Grayson is over now, but they have, I think, all three, if not two of them at this point. You know, stuff like Batman comes in regularly. I'll still be buying the Invincible Ultimate collections when they come out once a year, so I'm far enough behind on that. 
and you know still getting stuff like walking dead from the library and all that stuff so really it's just something that had to be done something that had to be changed and especially since i'm going to be paying a decent amount of rent where i'm going now it all again it all sort of evens out in the end it's just i have to cut expenses and and that's that's part of it i'm not gonna be one of those guys who gives up on comics entirely because they're a part of my life and i love the industry through all its flaws i love the industry I also feel like if I were to stop reading comics, that would actually make my time as, as an editor for Adam and Comfort stuff a little bit more difficult because I feel like you have to actually be a reader of comics to understand the language of comics. And that's something that could easily wind up falling to the side if I don't see how comics are being made on a regular basis and see what the voice is currently in the industry. So that's another part of it, too. Felt like I, I felt like this was an update I needed to get out there for you guys. And, uh, yeah, I hope you all understand as listeners why I had to do this, and I, I hope that it does not affect the show negatively. I don't think it's going to. I think you're still going to get plenty of comic talk and, you know, comic news and all the cool stuff we usually do here on Comic Timing, whether you think it's cool or not, you're listening to me, so you must think it's at least decent. So we'll 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 see where we go in the in the next couple of months. But this this was, I think, the best way for me to put it out there is via an extra point. And and again, to wet your guys' whistle because I know we didn't have a July episode. We had a tentative plan. I had a tentative plan to record with uh, actually Vito Del Sante this past uh, week that wound up falling through at the last minute because he had to watch over his kid. And trust me, that's a lot more important than recording with me. As I put this out, because hopefully I will wind up putting this out immediately after recording it or you know, sometime soon thereafter, I do want to mention, since we didn't get a chance to get Vito on, that the Stray ongoing series uh, Kickstarter is still up at at kickstarter and my apologies if you hear jackhammering in the background but i am recording this in manhattan so there's bound to be street noise but there's actually 49 hours left to go as i record this so there'll be about two days left on it uh, when i wind up putting this out but if you have not pledged to the stray ongoing series please do so. Uh, you guys heard at New York Comic Con two years ago when I had Vito on, along with Sean Isaacs, the original creators of Stray. It's it's one of my favorite titles that takes the essence of old school Dick Grayson Nightwing and rolls it its own way. And I really appreciate that. I'm currently pledged as a $5 backer. I might actually, actually wind up increasing that. But if you pledge for $5, you get an early look at Stray Volume 2, number one. So you'll be getting it before everybody else. And if they reach their stretch goal, which let me look at the updates here and see whether or not uh, they actually have, uh, the first stretch goal has been reached. With that first stretch goal, we're all going to be getting a, a Stray character handbook, which is pretty cool. But if they get to their next stretch goal, well, let's see, actually. I'm nine days trying to get the 10K. They have indeed gotten the 10K. So I think 
at this point, a uh, issue two PDF is going to be sent out to all backers of $5 and up as well. So you're actually getting two issues essentially for the price of one because they have reached 10K as I record this. There's a third stretch goal as well, which I believe is issue three. So hopefully you guys will wind up backing it and making that happen. But if you pledge $28 on this Kickstarter, he calls it the digital motherload. Not only do you get a copy of Stray Volume 1, which is the original miniseries, but you also get the digital version of Actionverse, which just finished up a little while ago that I got the trade of, which is a huge action uh, lab crossover between uh, Molly Danger and Stray and a couple other books uh, that I was really happy to see coming out. That finished recently, and like I said, the trade is now out there uh, for all to see uh, on Comixology and in stores, but you would get a digital copy of that completely DRM-free as part of this Kickstarter, plus you'd get all the perks of the $5 or more, so you'd get both issues one and two of the Stray series sent directly to you as a PDF, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, about two days left on this. Please support Vito. He's a good buddy of mine and uh, also a big fan of uh, comics in general as are all the action lab guys you know i support them and you know i love them so uh, go ahead and do that i also wanted to mention speaking of action lab that it was actually announced earlier this week jamal eigel is doing the art for the new brooklyn brewery defender ipa for the year you guys probably know by now that I'm a huge beer enthusiast and wind up going to these Brooklyn Defender events uh, every year. Last year's was a little lackluster, and I was thinking about not going. But the minute that I heard that Jamal was involved this time around, I jumped at the opportunity to RSVP, and I'll be there. Uh, I think the event is actually only in a, about two weeks' time, uh, I think on like the 17th of August, thereabouts. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be premiering it there. Uh, Jamal did the art for the new bottles, and uh, they're going to have pints and possibly pint glasses available. I'm not sure if they're going to do the pint glasses this time around, but it, I might wind up buying one anyway because it's going to have Jamal's art on it. But uh, big ups to Jamal Igel for, for getting that through. And uh, you can go to uh, pretty much anywhere on the internet to, to find out uh, what that new cover looks like. Uh, new York Comic Con wound up tweeting it too, so if you go to New York Comic Con's uh, page, you can uh, take a look at that. I did get my four-day badge for New York Comic Con, by the way, so I will be there this year in you know just a fan capacity like last time around. I'll bring the recorder with me. We'll see whether or not I get in the interviews this time around, but uh, you know we'll see. There's a decent amount of people I know who are going to be there. Uh, you know, while I have you here, let me actually just say this real quick. To, to any of you people out there who look at the aggregate score on Rotten Tomatoes and immediately get outraged, how about you just remind yourself that critics are critics for a reason. Their opinions matter. And they're not any less valid than yours. You know, these, these are guys who have a passion for film. And... Yeah, they might look a little bit deeper into it than the basic fan who, you know, just wants to see characters that they may appreciate from the comic book realm translated into film. But you can look at the Rotten Tomatoes score as a guide for the undecided, for those who may not necessarily be running to the theater on opening night to see a movie as it's coming out but may want to see it somewhere down the line. You know, perfect example of that would be Star Trek Beyond. You know, Star Trek Beyond, I was a little bit torn on. 
going into it because I was not a fan of Into Darkness. Any of you who listen to the show know that. I thought it was kind of crap. It was it was a retread, an unnecessary retread, and also a whitewashing. It was kind of bullshit. But I wasn't sure about seeing Star Trek Beyond right away because of that. But I saw the critic reviews coming in, and they were, for the most part, positive. And, and I'm a fan of Justin Lin as a director. Uh, he got me into the Fast and the Furious franchise because I hated that first movie. I thought it was bullshit. Uh, and then I went and uh, I watched, I think, as of Fast and Furious, uh, which was the fourth one. I think that was the first one I wound up seeing after a while. And I've you know, been following the franchise ever since. And, and he put a lot of personality and family into the Fast and the Furious franchise. And from what I was hearing on the Rotten Tomato reviews that I read, you know, as the list that was on the site, which again, is just an aggregate of existing reviews. It's not like they're not going to exist on the internet. Otherwise, they just put a score together on whether or not somebody liked or didn't like the movie. There could be a neutral grade you know, as, as I said on, on Facebook, on my personal feed, it's like I almost feel like there should be like a, a rotten, a fresh, and in the middle of bruised <laughs> for somebody who is perhaps indifferent about a movie. But, uh, you know, you got to go one way or the other because there's the only two options. So, yeah, maybe that's the one thing you can wind up fixing is some sort of middle of the road. But that's, you know, if you see something that's 55% on Rotten Tomatoes, that's actually a good way to say whether or not a movie is uh, middle of the road. You know, it's, it might show up as as rotten, but that means that at least 50% of reviewers wound up liking it. So you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. But looking at the reviews for Beyond, a lot of people seem to enjoy it, that wound up seeing it, that were critics. So I went and I saw it opening weekend. I wound up seeing it opening night, actually, that Thursday, because I had stuff doing the rest of the week. And I really enjoyed it. In fact, I enjoyed it more than any of the other Star Trek films that have wound up coming out so far in this new universe, which I think they're calling the Kelvin universe now, since Abrams verse doesn't make any sense. Never really did. Uh, even though J.J. is producer, he's not the director of these things anymore, so stop calling it the Abrams verse. I really enjoyed what I saw. It felt like original Trek in a lot of ways. And, you know, that might not work for everybody, especially those who are bigger into Next Generation or Deep Space Nine or something like that. But it it felt like the, the crew mattered. There was a, a relationship between these people. Setting it three years into their mission was actually really important to me because by then, They've all gelled as individuals. They've all worked together for a decent amount of time. There were relationships between Kirk and Spock, Spock and McCoy, McCoy and Chekhov. May he rest in peace. God, Anton Yelchin, that's, I'm going to miss that. That, that, was, that was really rough. But uh, Scotty and, and Kirk, uh, Kirk and Chekhov, uh, plus, you know, Sulu and Uhura, Uhura and Spock. I, I could go on and on if I really wanted to. This... They all felt like a unit. You know, there wasn't one member of the cast that I felt overshined everybody else. While at the same time, the movie remembered that the the three main actors, or at least the, the three main characters of the original Trek, were Bones, Spock, and Kirk. Not just Kirk and Spock. And they gave McCoy personality and a relationship with Spock further in this movie and you know just as much with with Kirk and that made me really happy 
and and the characters they introduced and the, and the villain. I mean, while a little bit see through, uh, Idris Elba's uh, take on on the villain was was pretty damn good, and I think just as good as Nero, if not better. Uh, when, when it came to a character, and he was at least for the most part an original character, even though there were some retreads of of previous Star Trek films and and situations, as as was pointed out in at least one of the other reviews that I that I read. Uh, you know, it's the third Star Trek movie, so of course the Enterprise has to be blown up. <laughs> so at least they followed that, but uh, they weren't looking for Spock's dead body this time around. That was at least a little bit different. But the Rotten Tomatoes score helped me decide whether or not I was going to see this movie opening weekend or not. And that is the case for people who may have been undecided on things like Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad. And same can be said for, you know, Civil War or Thor. You know, I mean, like Thor didn't get nearly as good of a Rotten Tomato score as other Marvel movies did. I mean, same with uh, Iron Man 2. I'm sure there's people going into that that were like, yeah, Iron Man 2. And then they looked at the reviews and they're like, oh, Iron Man 2. Huh. And they might have waited a week or two. And still did gangbusters at the box office in the end. But, you know, people weren't as thrilled about that rolling into it. And, you know, it showed in the score. So please don't sign a petition to get a website taken off the internet just because you're not happy that the movie you were looking forward to wasn't liked by critics because critics have as much of a right to their opinions on a movie as you do some of them can be stuck up but most of them were fans of film in general before they were critics and it shows in their writing like the the birth movie's death review of suicide squad is one i would totally recommend because essentially they say the movie's not very good. <laughs> but they do point out that there's some great acting from at least four members of the cast. The characters of, of Harley Quinn, uh, Amanda Waller, uh, Deadshot, and at least one of the others. Uh, can't remember what, what the fourth one was at this time, and I'm not looking it up because that'll just make this episode even longer. But at least four of the characters wound up standing out for them. And because of that, they'd say, go and see it for that reason. Even if the movie is a little bit of a mess and the Joker plotline could essentially be excised from the movie and you wouldn't actually notice, which was my problem with the killing joke, by the way, is the first 30 minutes. But they say, go see it anyway. So even though their review was negative, they wound up making it a, a positive on Rotten Tomatoes for that exact reason. And I respect that. Just like you guys should respect the opinions of critics and then make your own judgment. Go see it if you're looking forward to it. It's not going to change the fact that you were looking forward to a movie. I love Pacific Rim. Not everybody loved Pacific Rim. But I was damn happy to see it. I was looking forward to it for months. And when I saw it, it was everything I wanted it to be and more. And that was not the case with all critics. That was not the case with everyone who went to go see it. And that's perfectly okay, because opinions are just that. And you know what assumptions are. I don't have to even go into that. All right, I'm going to end this extra point now. I hope this is enough content to keep you guys rolling. I just wanted to remind you folks that we exist, because we do. And you'll be getting more episodes really, really soon. Like I said, that uh, lost episode is probably the next one that's going to wind up coming out if I I have time to uh, edit it. The episode uh, Friday, I will wind up doing so, and uh, and if not, 
and hopefully sometime next week. So stay tuned for that. And Casina, like I said, is probably going to wind up seeing Suicide Squad sometime in the next couple of days. So we will get together sometime after that and wind up letting you all know what we thought. Once again, if you're going to be at Oticon, track me down. American Comics for Manga fans. Uh, me and Chris are going to wind up doing that. It should be a good time for all. And uh, I, I say this every single time that we do one of these panels. It's called American Comics for Manga Fans, but it's also uh, just a really good step in the door for anyone who is a fan of the comic book medium but may not necessarily read American comic books. Whether you're a manga person or whether you're just interested in what's going on. You know, if, if you watch the TV shows and you watch the movies, it, it's a good idea to find out what's going on with the actual books themselves if you're really, really interested in it. And and we, at least I hope we do, uh, we do a good job of giving people a first step in the door towards that. And you can take a look at, at last year's uh, American Comics or Manga Fans panel on YouTube or uh, the audio version is still available as a podcast. But uh, literally the exact same audio is part of that YouTube video. So if you go to youtube.com slash Show. Uh, you can actually take a look at all the slides that we presented along with the audio that I released as a podcast. So you get a, a visual equivalent, and we include the isbins for every book that we're talking about in our slides. So you can immediately look them up on Amazon if you want to and, you know, take a look and see what's popping in the world of comic books. You know where to find us, but I will go ahead and remind you, facebook.com slash comic timing is where we live mostly on the internet obviously the website is comictiming.net and if you do want to email us you can do so at comictiming at gmail.com and we're still proud members of the comics podcast network after all these years I have no idea why I sang that I will talk to you guys soon and as always there's always time for comics even if I'm not reading them right away I wait for New York noise to be a little less loud. Uh, no, hold on. Let me see if I can lower this mic a little bit. There we go. All right, good. Now I'm set the medium game. Now it doesn't sound like I'm shouting anymore. The early stuff before Fear Itself. Or was it? Was it Fear Itself? No, it wasn't Fear Itself. Damn it! What the hell was it? Ugh, God. Yeah, this is me with my. Uh, intense knowledge of Marvel Comics trying to figure out what the hell the crossover was where Thor wound up losing his, uh, his hammer. Let's see. Oh no. Okay. It was Original Sin. There we go. Yeah. I wait for this police car to go by. Yes, catch the bad guy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on, do it. Do it. Get out of the way. Come on. Yeah, we know, we know you like your siren, dude. Come on. Come on. Roll out of the way. Oh, oh you gone? You gone? Yay, it's gone. Also, yay, now I have back matter for this episode.
let me take a look here before I actually say anything on the mic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 